Welcome to the Mindful Runner Podcast, a show about running and racing, trail and ultra in South Africa. Along the way, we'll be talking training, gear, nutrition, and mindfulness, all in the context of the South African racing scene. I'm your host, Fred Richardson, founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Stay tuned as I do my best to give you all the information and none of the waffle. In this episode, we're going to talk all things Mac Mac. I'm joined by Mindful Runner coaches Anya Lowe and Justin Olofsson. The events as they stand, there's a 46K, there is a 50 miler, there is a 100 miler, and then there's a 200 miler. On that 46K, Anya, you want to give us your thoughts first. How would you prep for the 46K? The Mac Mac 46 is a beautiful, amazing race. It's not an easy race. There's a lot of climbing. And you will have to do some race-specific training. If you have a base of around 30 to 40 kilometers a week, you can start your more race-specific training about three months before the race, so around fair. Most of the race is on very runnable tracks, so bring some trail intervals into your training. And then that six-kilometer downhill through two of a horse can really eat your quads, so be sure to condition them as well. Do your heel repeats on your favorite trail where you do some hard ups and easy downs, but also some easy ups and hard downs. And then remember your 2080 principle. So 20% of your training should be these quality sessions I just mentioned, and 80% should be your base training in zone two, especially if you're new to this distance. That 46 kilometers and ultra, um, and you've got to put the work in for it. You've got to spend some time. You've got to build up your mileage as well. Um, and over that kind of terrain, you know, when you're looking at the kind of training you're doing, you're not just training for a 46-kilometer race. You're training to be out on your feet for six to, to nine hours or however long it's going to take you. So I think to take that into consideration as well with regard to the amount of time you're spending on your feet, it's not just 46 kilometers. It can take a lot longer out there over that over that distance. So. I think to also take into consideration that there's a little bit more time that needs to go into a 46-kilometer trail ultra, um, and, and that's a very important component. And then what, what Anya said as well, I mean, Backpack has got some pretty good elevation in there. So you're going to have to be ready to, to run a couple of hills and get nice and strong on the inclines. And uh, your Jeep's, Jeep track style running is definitely, um, there's a lot of that out there on Backpack. So those steady state running intervals over the weekends on trail and uh, yeah, other than that, Anya's got it pretty much bang on there. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm going to add anything, it's just that the start is fairly open, those first seven or eight Ks. In fact, all the way up to Stables Hut is really open. Uh, so probably the first 12 Ks is wide open. You're not going to get jammed up. So you can run at a at your pace, you don't need to be charging to get onto single track. Okay. Um, and then that section through the turbo boss, I think we'll come back to that, maybe talk about that in more detail on the other events because all of the races go through that same six kilometer section that, that Anya mentioned. Let's look at the 50 miler. Justin, what are you going to do for that 50 miler in terms of prep? And, and talk us through what you think of that route. That's uh, that's a spectacular route out there in MacMac. What I love about this, these MacMac um, events, especially the 50 and the 100 milers, it seems like you've got a bit of Addo and UTD sort of thrown into the mix there. Um, like like mentioned, you've got those those Jeep tracks, um, and then you get taken into a bit of a, a mountainous section of trail as well. So there's a lot of Jeep track running and some fast running that can be done on Mac Mac on that 50 miler. 
Um, and then it does change a little bit where it sort of goes into more sort of like mountainous terrain. Um, and then you're going to be be doing some pretty good climbing. And uh, as we mentioned, then going down into Tuoverbos at the end there. But it, it packs a bit of a punch as soon as you hit the, the mountain section of MacMac, um, where you've got to be prepared to, you know, transition from basically running where you'd be doing a lot of faster running to suddenly going into mountainous terrain. So, you know, for the 50 miler, you want to build a nice road base. I would suggest definitely doing some road running, getting some good endurance sessions in on the road. You're going to be having having to handle the impact that you're going to be doing on the Jeep tracks, which is definitely going to work in your favor because that's where you can make up a lot of time. And then on the weekends, focus on getting your trail sessions in. Uh, that's where you can really dial in on those skills, um, you know, get the elevation in. That 50 miler packs some elevation as well. It's a it's it's got enough elevation over that distance, which means that you're going to be working up and down. The terrain is very undulated. Um, so those guys that, that are strong on the hills that are going to work the hills and run the hills well, and of course manage themselves. Um, you know, some guys are stronger on the downhills, some guys on the uphills, but know where your strength is and then go out on race day and then try and execute it on race day. So getting to know yourself as an athlete, training for this 50 miler for Mac Mac is, is very, very important. And you've got to get enough mileage behind you. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, put the time in, um, you could be out there for a long time as well. So um, yeah, that's just in a nutshell, what we'd look to focus with on the 50 miler, but uh, yeah, don't leave it too late. I would give yourself at least even a six month period to prep properly for that 50 miler. Yeah. Um, and in terms of mileage, I mean, you mentioned mileage. What do you think the minimum is going to be in your peak training weeks in, in your long training weeks? What kind of distances are you looking to get to? If you're looking at sort of time wise, I think you've got to look between nothing less than I'd say eight to 10 hours and then sort of look at getting your mileage up. You know, if you can, if you can handle those hundred kilometer weeks, you can handle those 80k weeks. That's gonna that's gonna count in your favor because at the end of the day, you're training for something that could take a lot a lot longer. I mean, if you're out there on your feet for 12 to 14 hours, for instance, I mean that's a long day out there. So you have to have put in enough time. And I think the comfort of knowing that you can manage that distance, um, knowing that you've pulled off 100 kilometer weeks, um, know that you've you've put in a couple of 120k weeks as well. That's all gonna count into your favor. But the thing is with a 50 mile running is suddenly, you know, like getting to know your body, um, your biomechanics, doing regular body check-ins becomes very important because there's a lot more impact that's going to take place in the body and through the joints. Um, so you've got to dial in and make sure that you that you're really switched on regarding that as well. Um, so I would say between, you know, like eight and 12, 12 hours, I mean, you've got to put those weeks in. It's imperative for that kind of distance. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And then, as you say, between 80 and 120 K is depending on what your goals and objectives are and how much your body can handle. And also the level of experience you, you have as a runner, you wouldn't be doing 120 K weeks in your first year of, of training. That might be three, four, five years in, you can handle that kind of thing. But initially, yeah, 80 Ks would be enough to get you through that event and feeling comfortable. The hundred miler, starts a pilgrim's rest and joins up with the 50 mile 80 Ks into the race pretty much, right? Um, you've run the 100 miler. Yeah, Fred, the, the 100 miler is, is such a, a cool race at MacMac. Uh, as I mentioned earlier with the 50 miler, you've got a bit of mi a mixture of ADO and UTD that's involved in that route as well. So you've got to have a pretty good all-around game when you go into a race like MacMac. 
Um, you've got to have a good road base behind you, a lot of endurance running that's been done, focus on biomechanics, making sure that you're running stride and rhythm and stuff like that is all in check. Um, so don't neglect the road work with MacMac. It is definitely going to work in your favor and it is going to be a benefit for you. There is a lot of forest um, style Jeep tra track running through there that makes certain sections of the race fast. But then you've got to be able to cash in on that. And that comes back to your training. Have you been doing enough work, you know, on the road, um, you know, doing a couple of, of, of runs where you're just focusing on getting nice and comfortable in your endurance zone? And that's definitely going to work in your favor. And then again, you know, there's MacMac is packed with elevation. And knowing where your strengths are in the climbs, you've got to know that where do you need to work on? Do you need to work on your climbing part of your of yourself as a runner, is it the descents? Where are your strong points and where are your weak points? So you need to identify that because, I mean, MacMac, I think, has got over 7,000 meters of, of elevation over that 100-miler. And, again, it starts off very much on your forest-style Jeep tracks and then suddenly you get taken into beautiful mountainous areas. So you've got to have a good round, all-around all game here. When you're looking at the kind of mileage that you need to put in for this, you would be thinking that some of the runners that take on these uh, – these 100-milers have got a little bit of, of running experience behind them. And then you're looking at getting in those 100 to 120-kilometer weeks in there if you want to prep properly for it. Um, and then, you know, mixing up the training and giving yourself a good, I would say, look at a, a window period of 6 to 12 months where you can really focus your training in on this. You can cover all the bases. You can get through all the different components of running and then go into MacMac and you can really have a good race. There's so many components that you can add into MacMac. It's a fun race to train for because you literally have to focus on everything because the terrain on that course throws absolutely everything at you. There's bits and pieces of everything. So a good all-round runner, if you've got that as, as, as part of your training and that's what you're working on, MacMac's going to be a good race for you. Yeah, I think of the four events that we're talking about, in this initial period, MacMac certainly has got the most variety and the most change of scenery and change of elevation. It's a lot of up and down. Uh, and it's a lot of different surfaces you're running on. The 200 miler, a completely new distance in South Africa. And last year was the first time they ran it. How would your preparation change for a 200 miler? I mean, in my opinion, there's not much difference between prepping for a 100 miler and a 200 miler. You're going to go, your strategy would be different. So you'll be approaching that 100, that 200 miler a little slower than you would the 100. But in terms of training, there's only a certain amount of training you can do in a week. What are your thoughts, Justin? But you'd hope that the guys that enter for the 200 miler have got some form of, of running background behind them. Um, because that's, that's just, you know, your body's ability to be able to handle that kind of distance. And it comes down again to, Prepping for the 100 miler, maybe having a couple of weeks where you really push two or three weeks where you, where you go for slightly more distance, then you'd be looking at your 160 to 200 kilometer weeks, perhaps somewhere in the mix there, see how the body responds. And I think a 200 miler is a, is a journey of discovery in, in many senses, because you're going to discover what your body can manage um, and, and that kind of stuff. So it's a completely different kettle of fish, although it is based on the same kind of training you do for a hundred miler. Um, but I think that's where you've really got to know your body. Well, um, you have to dial in to things like nutrition, refine that absolutely down to a specific point. 
I think with the nutrition side of it, I think you're going to possibly be moving a little bit slower on a, on a 200 miler. So, you know, does your nutrition then change on a race like that? Is it the same as a hundred miler? That's something you're going to have to play around with and, and sort of look to discover. Um, but as I mentioned, it's a journey of discovery. So it's getting to know your body and it's getting to know yourself better as a runner as well. So, yeah, I think a couple of, so a couple of key, key elements, you know, put in a couple of bigger weeks, 160 to 200 kilometer weeks, and probably start again a year of preparation for something like that. Um, if you want to get out of it and still enjoy running afterwards, I suppose. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I think one of the keys for me, um, the approach I would be taking, and we have got a couple of 200 milers, is more mountain trips, more time spent out just moving through big terrain and spending a long time moving through into the dark, starting early in the morning, working out how much sleep you can get away with. They're really, as you say, learning your body and learning how it responds in those very extreme environments because it, it is an extreme environment. Yeah, and just to add there, there Fred, the sleep factor. I think, you know, how much sleep are you going to then factor into your race strategy? Are you going to have planned naps? So I think a race strategy for a 200 miler is also something that's very important is can you manage a nap and then still be able to get up and to move forward? So I agree a hundred percent with those mountain trips because often in those big mountain trips, you're spending a lot more time out over a distance than you would actually expect because you are moving a lot slower. So yeah, the mountain trips and then seeing how you handle the sleep, can you get back up again and, and, and keep moving forward? I think that's a challenge on its own. It must be so tough to do a whole hundred miler and then turn around and do it again the other way. That must be so tough mentally. And that's exactly what um, the experience was with the inaugural event, is that the guys who managed to get through that first hundred miler and then reset themselves from pilgrims and start again, those guys all finished. If you're able to give yourself that excuse of, okay, I'm, I've made 100 miles, I'm really good because I've actually run 100 miles, then that's a, a door you've opened to step out. That, that's the bailing door that you've just opened. You need to be going into this thing going, I'm running 200 miles, 100 miles is not my race. And so when you get around to pilgrims and you start on that second 100 miles, you just have to treat that as the start of the finishing of your race. You know, it's not, it's not an achievement. It is just... You've now got halfway around the course. Now you have to carry on. Don't give yourself that out. Don't make. Don't open that door. So a real factor there. Okay, uh, let's talk about the, the the. There are two gotchas here. The first is uh, the Tuvalu section, or as Fricky said, somebody had called it Satan's Garden. So you can see it as magic. You can see it as devilry. But whichever way you approach that section, it's very overgrown. It's very rocky. And if it's wet, it's super slippery. Um, so how are you going to train for that? Or how are you going to approach that section from a training point of view and a racing point of view? Anya, what do you think? Uh, from a racing point of view, I think just calculate it into your race strategy. To know it's not, it's not just six days down you. It's going to take a bit longer than you expect. Be very careful there. It's really very slippery. I use my hands a lot, so I would grab a tree for extra support so that if my foot slips, um, I'm still okay and I'm supported and I don't hurt anything. So just be very careful there. From a training perspective, make sure you get some technical training in, some trials that's technical underfoot, 
and uh, do your proprioception training so that your ankles and everything's very strong. And yeah, that's basically what I would do. Justin, you any any ideas or any any good tips on how to approach that section? That section that you go through Twerver Boss there, I think if you've got gloves on and you've got a good pair of gloves, I think that's already going to be a, bene- a beneficial factor for you because you're going to be grabbing onto branches, you're going to be bending down, you're going to be touching down on sharp rocks. And if you've got gloves to protect your hands, you're going to be able to move a lot faster. Um, so that's definitely a little bit of a gear tip that I would add in add into your to your gear list there. The other thing that you that I, I sort of want to push the athletes towards is on a race day, you can hit to a boss and it could have been raining and it can be super slippery and it's going to take you longer to get through there. But then it could be a year where it's a little bit drier and it could take you a little bit faster. And when it's dry, um, you actually can move through there at a pretty decent pace. It's obviously not going to be an express downhill pace, but you can move through there a little bit faster. When it's wet, completely different kettle of fish. So have a look at the the weather before the race and accept the fact that you're going to go in there and it's going to take you a little bit longer. So it doesn't help you go in there and, and sort of don't look at the weather and you know get an idea of this is the time that you want to run. If the weather d- does change, you might have to add on an extra hour to get through there onto your race time. To, so to avoid putting yourself under pressure, make sure you've got a good idea of what the weather is going to do over that period. And then also at the same time, don't think about it too much. Take it as it comes. Remember, you're hitting that section of the race when you are going to be tired. So when you get to the checkpoint that's just before um, before Tuova Boss, take your time, reset yourself, You know, get, get your mindset into the right place, and then go into there. And you know what? Ultimately, have fun. Because if you're going to go in there and you're going to get negative when you're in Tuova Boss, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be a pleasant experience going through there. So rather look at it as a section that you're going to have fun, you're going to enjoy it, and embrace the difficult times that are that are going to take place through that section. And yeah, you've just got to suck it up because when you get through to the bottom, um, there's running on Jeep track again, and then it's a lot faster going home. So those are a couple of tips that I would look at um, with regard to that. And then in your training, do a bit of technical training, as Anya said, you know, do some training where you're going to be a bit um, challenged underfoot. For me, that was actually my favorite section. I mean, that's why we do trail running um, is for these technical sections. So I loved it so much. It felt like there's going to jump a ferry out of behind a rock or something. It was just so beautiful and magical. And something else was also the, the bridges. Not all of them are easily crossable. So don't be scared to ride across via the stream. Your feet will probably be wet anyway. So cross via the stream because the wooden bridges are also very, very slippery. Yeah, and like Justin said, just enjoy it. It's my favorite part of the race. Yeah. A thing I would avoid using in there is poles. Definitely. The poles will almost certainly get tangled up. You need your hands, as you guys have all said, to grab onto branches, to help yourself over rocks and things. And so if you are using poles during the event, and this is the kind of event that poles would work for you on, um, on these long, steady climbs, uh, put the poles away before you descend into that section of, of the race. And yeah, enjoy the beauty. When you pop out the other end, you're at a beautiful aid station, and then it is runnable from there, aside from, from Fricky's Folly, which uh, turns out is actually not designed by Fricky at all, but was designed by Ilov. Um, he's just shifted the blame onto Fricky, <laughs> if you listen to that podcast. 
that freaky spot is it's a good taster it, it is it's sort of similar i think in in concept to if you think about all of these events on addo you've got that last big climb you can hear the finish line and that last climb just never seems to end on ultra trail drakensberg there's a massive big descent that happens just before the finish and if you're in there in the dark it is punishing mac mac has got its own flavor of the last hour really a, a tough climb to do just before just when you can see the finish and you'll see on Carcliffe equally there is a problem a problem area in that finish as well so all of these events have that last sting in the tail just to make sure that you're as hard as you think you are another tip for for running mac mac is don't get caught up at the aid stations for too long because it gets quite festive there. <laughs> you know, sort of moving there. It's such a homely and that sort of environment and that atmosphere sort of sucks you in. And then you you might sit or stand for that extra five minutes, uh, even though it looks festive and it looks like a party. Get in there, get what you need to take and get out of there. Otherwise, you might be spending a bit more time in there than what you, you actually think that you should be. Um, so... As as the one side, the guys that are out there to race it seriously, um, yeah, you know, just get in and out of those aid stations and and keep moving on and hitting your targets. Um, so yeah, but it's a great atmosphere, fantastic vibe at Mac Mac, and uh, yeah, I think the whole terrain and everything sort of just adds to the value of that event. It's it's a really good one. Yeah, those aid stations often, and the weather can vary there a lot. Um, as you say, they they are potentially a place to spend a lot of time because they do treat you well, but don't mess around there. And then the other thing, I think, if you are really looking to race Mac Mac, you need to take advantage of the of the road sections and the Jeep track sections and use those roundable sections because even though the single track is not the predominant surface, the single track that you do is through very stiff indigenous bush with some big climbs, big descents, it's technical, and it will slow you down. So you need to make up time on those jeep track and gravel road sections and then the last point on on the 200 miler remember that the 200 miler starts at mac mac goes through the turbo Bourse within the first two and a half hours of your start and then eventually you're going to come back there and final point on that section is if you can try and get through it before it gets dark so in your race strategy try and get yourself to the top of the to the bottom of that section before it's dark because in the dark, you're going to go way slower in that section, probably like half the speed. Especially if the mist sets in there as well. I mean, then you're going to be moving really slowly. Like like this year, I mean, the mist moved in over Mac Mac. It was raining and it was it was really slow going and slow moving. So it was sort of like, you know, you've just got to, got to make sure that you get through there as best as you can because the weather can set in there fairly heavily and and unpredicted as well. I mean, I think we got a lot more rain than was actually predicted in that race. And again, it, there's, a, it, there's a mountainous element to Mac Mac. Um, it's not just running through forests. It's, there is a serious mountain element to Mac Mac and treat those conditions as they should be. So one of the things that you're going to find, because it's so fast and runnable, there will be times when you will potentially overshoot a fork or overshoot a trail turnoff because you're moving very quickly um, and you have to really be cognizant of what's happening on your GPS watch. So rather trust to your GPS than trust to the trail markings because that's going to be a better indicator. And what you do is if you have if that watch of yours beeps to say you're off trail, you turn around and you go back immediately 
to where you last knew you were on trail. Don't even mess around. Literally just go straight back. As soon as the watch goes, you're off trail, head back to where you saw a marker last and rework your way from there. It's going to save you a lot of headache because Justin has mentioned the mist as well at night and even in the day. When the mist is thick, you're not going to be able to be able to even see trail markers. So again, your GPS is going to be super important. But even in broad daylight, in those forest sections, the road, the trail will suddenly turn 90 degrees off. And if you're not paying attention, you're two, 300 meters off and, and before you understand what's going on. So really learn how to use your GPS for all of these ultras, actually. It makes sense to trust your GPS before you trust the trail markings. Absolutely. That's a very important point, um, Fred. And I also think the, the other thing is that the elements can sometimes knock off those markers. If it's raining heavily, some of those markers get taken off, they get washed away. Um, if you're in a section of trail where there, it is well marked and you get into a flow, as you mentioned, um, and then suddenly you get to a point where you don't see the markers um, and you've been used to following the markers, then suddenly go back onto your watch. You know, you've got to, you've got to constantly be aware of your GPS when you're going out on MacMac. Um, and uh, like I said, the elements can sometimes just wash those markers off. That is the nature of the terrain, and that's part of part of MacMac. So navigation, yeah, important component at MacMac, definitely. And the other thing you mentioned was the mist and the dark. So make sure that you are, you know how to use your headlamp in heavy mist. So a headlamp normally will bounce light back into your eyes if the mist is very heavy, and you have tunnel vision, you can't really see properly at all. Often the best thing is to use a hand torch or use a, a waist belt or take the head torch off into your hand and get it below your eye level because that's going to make it easier to see in, in the mist. The aid stations, they're well stocked. So in terms of your nutrition, uh, find out what the aid stations have got and whether that suits your nutrition strategy. They're not far apart. You're not running for 30, 40 Ks before you get to aid stations. So plan your race according to what the aid stations um, have stopped and you should get a list uh, in your trail pack telling you what's at every aid station. I think one thing I wanted to share after I did it, because that's where I had a, a very big fall, is that you think through the technical sections, you're always very careful, but actually the plantation road in the middle of the road, it's, it's sloped to the side and it's so slippery. It looks like there's sand on it. So you think you can step on it and, your feet just slides away. So you can actually have a, quite a big fall where you think it's runnable if it's a wet day. If it's a dry day, it's a different scenario. But on a wet day, just be careful for that little lump in the middle of the plantation road. Yeah, that's true. Especially that section around Sabi at the start of the 46 and the finish of 4600, the finish for everybody, those roads. And you can see... It looks, as you're saying, it looks very hard, but it's a bit sweaty. Your feet can slide on that so easily. So you have to treat that like ice. You have to really press your feet into it as you're running down there. Quick feet, take it easy. Try and run on the sides where you can see vegetation, almost step on grass. And, and you'll know when you're in that section because it gets super slippery. Yeah, the emphasis again with MacMac is that it's weather dependent. If it's a dry year, you're going to move a lot faster. If it's a wet year, Reevaluate your targets because you're definitely not going to be moving as fast as what you what you thought you were going to. As Fukin Elif has said, the cutoffs are very lenient. They're not trying to punish anybody. They're not trying to fail people on this on the course. Just for reference, Anya, what are the, the cutoffs on the distances? So your cutoff on your 46 is 12 hours. On your 50 miler, it's 22 hours. 100 miler is 44 hours. 
And then on your 200 miler, it's 90 hours. So it's very lenient. Yeah, that time seems, seems reasonable, Justin. Yeah, I think these, uh, these cutoffs are very, very reasonable. I think at the end of the day, I mean, Fricky and Elof and everyone at the MacMac team wants everybody to get over the line. Um, but yeah, it's a cutoff is something that you don't want to flirt with it. Um, so make sure that you prepare for it so that you're not flirting with that cutoff time so that that's something you don't have to worry about. You know, when you go to the event, don't think, oh, wow, what's the cutoff time? Um, just have your targets and, and go for your targets. Um, be aware of what it is, but don't focus too much on it. Try and get your training done so that you can finish well under that. Yeah. If you're chasing cutoffs early in the race, you're in trouble. So if you'll be taking on Mac Mac, generous cutoffs, a very varied route. Your preparation needs to be a very rounded prep, but it really is a fantastic event to take on. And we'll be there in force. We hope to see you there. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Mindful Runner, check us out at mindfulrunner.co.za on Instagram. You can find us at mindfulrunner. In the meantime, enjoy your running, happy trails, and don't forget to subscribe.